All right, here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Science Welcome back. in between. Science in between. This is Scott. This is Ollie. And, and it's just the two of us. It's not just, a special episode. Just the two of us. <laughs> nice. Look at you singing. There you go. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if that qualifies as singing, but it was definitely something. It was and melodic. Yes, it's just the two of us. Thank you. I'd no like guests to today. No guests. You know, although we are efforting getting some other guests oh, down God. the line. <laughs> We're working on it. Uh, We're efforting. I just, uh, I just, for some reason, recently saw that the uh, skit on SNL that where they do the um, uh, the two women who pretend to be basically Terry Gross like uh, interviewers, um, and and there's one with uh, Betty White where they talk about her muffin and her muffins. Oh and, yeah! Oh my god! Yeah, oh, so good. But yeah, anyway, a, I was just that, thinking that, that's about old. Those podcasts are like, with guests. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, those like, are yeah. That's like ten years old. Yeah. yeah, if not longer. So I'll set this up because I, you know, I, I, you know, I've this has been bouncing around in my head over the last I don't know a few odd days, week or so, and uh, you know when I've had a moment just hanging out, like you know on the elliptical or driving or whatever. I've been thinking about this stuff. Um, so we're, we're going to talk today about um, Richard Feynman a little bit. And we're going to talk about uh, something called the cataclysm sentence. And so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain how I got there. And then you can talk a little bit about uh, Richard Feynman. So yeah. one, I'm uh, I, this was featured in, in a recent radio lab podcast, which I, you know, radio labs, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, They've been running a lot of reruns, you know, about the last six months or so, because they're, I think they're retooling some of their, you know, producers and, and creators and stuff. And so um, they had these two guys for years and then they switched gears. And so then they have uh, all new producers. And so they um, ran this episode that was probably like three years old, four years old, um, that featured this, this question for Richard Feynman, which is, okay, if you had... I'll, I'll, I'll actually, if you have one sentence uh, that had the, uh, I'll, I'll read the quote. If in some cataclysm, all of the scientific knowledge were to be destroyed and only one sentence passed on to the next generation of creatures, what statement would contain the most information in the fewest words? Hmm. So they dedicated an episode, Radio Lab dedicated an episode on this. Um, and I thought it was really interesting how different people approached it because they interviewed authors and musicians and, and, and so on. Um, I'm also reading um, the three body, three body problem, mm, um, yeah. which um, you had recommended as a, as a joy, oh, gosh, maybe about a year ago. And it's been on my reading list. Right. Um, and the three body problem, the one of the things that's really interesting about that book is they are playing this virtual reality game, you know, mm, yeah. and the virtual reality game is basically this, right? It is cataclysms <laughs> happening, yeah. right? And it's like over and over and over again. Like, and the goal of people playing is to try to figure out how to, you know, how to avoid it, right? How to avoid right. the, the the cataclysm. So it's like, you know, these two things kind of like sandwiched in my brain at the same time. The cataclysm, you know, from Richard Feynman and uh, the cataclysm from the three body problem. And so uh, well, let's start with who Richard Feynman is. Who okay. Is that dude? Yeah. So he's he's a famous, famous physicist. Um, he 
invented, among other things, quantum electrodynamics um, and the way of representing quantum uh, electrodynamics in um, what are now called Feynman diagrams, which represented um, sort of the interaction of, of small particles. Um, but he, he's also a sort of character. Um, he, he, um, has written a, a lot of essays and stories about his life. Um, some of them were collected into a book called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. And, um, he was, he was the youngest member of the Manhattan Project, which was the atomic bomb development project, the Trinity Project in, uh, in, you know, World War II and, you know, made a reputation there for being um, brilliant and quirky. He played bongos. He uh, he was a safe cracker. He, you know, and so there's lots of stories about him and his life that he's told. Um, he was a professor at Caltech and gave a series of lectures called the the Feynman lectures that were um converted into a book called six easy pieces, which was a characterization of sort of the core of physics. Um, but his, his lectures were famous, I think mostly because the undergrads who were supposed to be attending the lectures didn't really understand what was going on, but all the other faculty at Caltech right. came to his lectures to listen to him because he, he did such a great job explaining these core ideas, at least to other physicists. So yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Um, he's a funny guy. He's, you know, a, a man of his generation. So he's had some, uh, you know, he had, he's had some troubling views on, um, women, uh, and their capacity to, uh, do work, uh, especially math and physics type of work. Um, probably most famous recently and re recently, I mean, since since the atomic bomb project was he was in charge or assisted with the challenger investigation when that um space shuttle exploded and has a there's a very famous scene from that testimony that you can look up where he shows how this o-ring which is what happened there was an o-ring like a rubber ring essentially that say that failed in the space shuttle and allowed all of the fuel essentially to get out at the same time, which is why it blew up. Um, but he has this dramatic demonstration where he, he puts this uh, O-ring into ice water and the, and the ring, you can see the ring fall off and he's like, boom. God, um, yeah. Literally. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, he's, he's a, you know, he's a fascinating dude. And, and I, I wanted you to talk about him because every week we, when we'd record these podcasts, I see you and I see him because yeah. yeah. he's on the wall behind uh, you. And yeah. so, uh, he, yeah, he's an, he's a character. Um, and you know, from all reports, he was like a, you know, pretty handsome dude and, you know, sort of like a rock star physics professor. And, yep. um, I, I'm wondering if, if he's going to be in Oppenheimer, the movie that's coming out. And yeah, it's just, a good question. Yeah. I wouldn't be um, surprised. Cause he did play a role in that and you know, he's a Nobel prize winning dude, yeah. you know? So he's, he's somebody of note. Right. And certainly, somebody I mean, um, as you said, he was a, a man of his, his time. And so when we look at it from a different generation, certainly can find some areas of a disagreement. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was the poster that I have of him is actually from Apple's think different campaign. So it was, he was chosen as one of the people in that, yeah. uh, in that campaign. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, I think mostly, uh, he, he has, he and his sort of writing and thinking have aged well. He has, 
he is he and he has um sort of opined about learning uh on a number of occasions and sort of the nature of fundamental physics which is what this thing that you're going to talk about today is about right. so i think yeah he's a he's a thinker who really um tried to understand things well so that he could explain them well in simple terms um and he he has uh, he has a lot of quotes that I use um, when I'm talking with pre-service teachers about teaching and learning, for example, about um, scientists being curious. And yeah. Um, so he's yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy. Yeah, there's a quote that I like that uh, it's a, I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. And that's, you, kinda, you know, a solid I think one. it is solid. It's kind of hard to yeah. argue with that. Yeah. You know? Well, so, yeah, yeah, so, well, I, I mean, I think, you know, when I first started teaching, I was kind of a, a Feynman fanboy, you know, I yeah. w- when I first sure. came out, you know, I was like, you know, starting out my career as a physics teacher, I was like, oh, this guy is, I mean, he was, a, mm. I would say he's pretty didactic dude, right? <laughs> I mean, he had some demonstrations yeah. and, and things, but, you know, I think his uh, conceptualization of science education is pretty divergent from where we are in today's right so but i think we both appreciate him as as both you know as a thinker as a scientist as as an innovator as somebody who you know broke new new ground and i think this kind of question is something i i I personally think is pretty interesting um and how different people approach it you know because he approached it completely scientifically and i think that's the way he framed it um, and the radio lab episode, they framed it a little bit more like, okay, if you had a sentence to pass along, yeah. it didn't necessarily have to be a scientific knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it could just be something that you felt like the next generation needed to know. The next, right. you know, um, and I, I think it will be helpful for us if we just focus on like humans, because like yeah. if it's, you know. I mean, this is like that the thing, like, okay, we're going to send something to space and, right. you know, who knows what that being is going to look like. So we have to put it in pictures and put it in Morse code yeah. or whatever. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah now um, we're in a Carl Sagan place yes. where we're talking about like what to put on the, on the um, Voyager. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. I, I want I would rather avoid that. Right. Yeah, Cause it's sure. like, yeah. Um. So Feynman landed on this. He says, I believe it's the atomic hypothesis that all things are made of atoms, little particles that move around in perpetual motion, attracting each other when they are a little distance apart, uh, but repelling upon uh, being squeezed into one another. That's a sentence. Yep. So um, it's very much a physicist sentence. Yes, (laughs) it is very physics-y, you know? And and yeah, I think um, you know he's he's definitely approached it from a scientific perspective, right? It's mm-hmm. like okay, let's cram as much scientific knowledge as we can into a sentence. Um, I think we if we pr- approach biologists with this question, they would probably go, "Yeah, let's let's talk about you know I don't know like the be impact. something to do with evolution, right? Or, or yeah, or cells, or DNA, or, sure, and yeah. you know chemists might approach it differently, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe yep. not, maybe not radically, um, because I think that, you know, these, the atoms are building blocks, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, I think they, yeah. I mean, I think it it is interesting to think about how different, you know, I was thinking about earth and space science and what they would, uh, or earth science specifically, what they would say something probably to do with plate tectonics. Um, and 
you know, the dynamic earth. Um, but, but I do think, you know, it's an interesting idea in the sense that in, in some respects, it's almost the antithesis of what we talk about with standards. Um, and, and, or maybe it's the apotheosis, is that the right word? Anyway, if you were to move, continue to move standards in the direction that we're, we're sort of advocating for, um, that this is where they would end up. Right. Because what we have had in the past, um, in standards is long lists of specific right. facts and next generation science standards was moving towards big ideas and how do we, and this would be the, the biggest the, idea. Yeah. The <laughs> ultimate example of, well, you get one big idea and that's the whole thing. And then everything is related to that. Well, so that's a, well, that's what intrigues me about it. It's like, if it's just one idea, like one big idea that you have to pass along, you know, and I will say like listening to the radio lab and um, episode, which we'll put in the show notes. It's fascinating how some people approach this. Like yeah. they asked a whole bunch of people um, how they would approach it. And it was pretty fascinating. So, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it would be, but I mean, you know, this, even the idea, even the premise of this is a very physics-y Right. idea right the idea that everything in the universe can be boiled down into one sentence i mean that would be the, that's sort of what physics has been trying to accomplish um its entire uh history as a field right is to to increasingly reduce the number of of complicated things you need to know to understand the whole universe all at once and um so it's not surprising that that somebody like Feynman is making this as a suggestion well, I'll, I'll share a, a couple of approaches that people did in the radio lab once that once that has still been like ringing in my brain. One person refused to answer the question. Mm. He, he said, you know, not that he didn't have an answer. He was yeah. like, we should give them nothing. Let them start out fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, because he was this guy's a futurist, but he's yeah. also so he's also like this. Uh, what was his name? Um, yeah, I'm not going to get it, but anyway, uh, Ray Kurzweil, uh, maybe let me see, uh, uh, Jaron Lanier, oh, Jaron oh, Lanier, oh, haven't heard of him. He's yeah. the, uh, 10 arguments for deleting your social media account right now, okay. I guess as an yeah. author for that. Okay. So, um, he refused to answer the question, um, because he's like, people should just start out fresh, you know, this yeah. next generation. However, he's a, he's a, um, somebody who, really likes old music, old musical instruments. So he's hmm. like, tries to find ones that are like been lost and like brings a bass. And they're like, well, so if you were to give a musical instrument to the next, like if you uh, could pass one musical instrument, uh, he landed on a piano. Yeah. He's like, they should have, cause it's like the most complex and simple. And it had yeah. kind of like a, it's like, it's kind of like a computer and it yeah. would be, you know, so he he thought that got both percussion and strings involved. I mean, it's, it's yeah. an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. But like some of the people they interviewed was like James Glyke, uh, mm. uh, uh Rebecca Sugar, who did uh, Steven Universe. Who you know we're mm -hmm. huge fans of Steven Universe here. Yeah. It's a fascinating episode. Here's the one I think that has been uh, ringing in my brain, and it's it's not sciencey at all. It is just about humanity and hope. Yeah, it is. We're all just walking each other home. Mm. That's nice. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like we're on this journey, and we're you know caretakers taking somebody home, right? right? And it's like, and whenever you are walking somebody home, 
You know, there's that thing of like, you're doing something for somebody to help them get to that place. But home is like the end of, you know, whatever that journey is. And I just like, oh, that's, that's, that's really, that's neat. Not sciencey at all. So I guess I, you know, have you thought about it? Have you like, since I sent you this idea, have you got, have you landed on one? Uh, I don't know that I've landed on one. I mean, I guess to go back to a couple that you just mentioned, I mean, first of all, it's interesting that James Clyke also wrote uh, a biography, a famous biography of Feynman, right? Called Genius. Right. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the refusal one is interesting. And especially, you know, we talk a lot in this show about how, um, the ideas that we have about the world are embedded in our experience and our culture, right? And so by denying some new group of people the current wisdom or thinking of us or however you want to think about that, um, I I think the interesting thing about that for me is it opens the possibility for them to create an entirely different world, right? I mean, I think one of the things that you create when you when when information or or knowledge is passed on from from one group of people to the next which is is human and important and one of the reasons if not the reason that we're so successful as a species but um but you also limit the possibilities of those people because you've predefined something in a way that um then constrains them in the future right i mean if if you take atoms as the the premise right that the idea that Feynman's passing forward well that that limits you uh, even even in only small ways but probably in big ways uh in terms of what you can then think of uh because you've you've constrained yourself with this starting point of well there are atoms and they all sort of behave in these kinds of ways um so i think that's a really interesting idea to say yeah, it makes people start over, but starting over might lead to really certainly different and potentially yeah. really good and interesting outcomes. Well, I mean, that's I mean, science fiction is full of, you know, time travel things where somebody brings sure. something from the past or something from the you know yeah. future and it creates all kinds because it gives a different starting point. Right. Whether it's, yes. you know, back to the future and you got like, you know, oh, here's all the you know sports scores yes. for the next yeah, 40 years, right? Yeah. Or it's like some, you know, um, I don't know, scientific piece of equipment or something. And it's just like, okay, this, we weren't ev- evolutionarily ready for this thing, yeah. right? Yep. And so here it is just dropped in our laps and yep. like, voila, it just changes the, the, the course of, of history. So I, yeah, yeah, I, that, that is interesting. That is, um, well, and, and human history has a, a pattern of, you know, <laughs> ideas emerging simultaneously in multiple places that give you an indication that there is a sort of, you know, zeitgeist or, or shared, you know, Jungian notion of consciousness where, you know, like the famous example from science is calculus being invented by two people, essentially not entirely independently, but, but, you know, a lot of these ideas that we have um, are so much built on the prior ideas that, that there isn't, an unlimited possibility of new ideas. They are constrained by the existing ones. And so the new ideas tend to be related, right? The, the adjacent possible is, is the way people talk about creativity, right? Is, is that's how, what really creative people do is they find the adjacent possible. Um, So I think the adjacent possible only works if 
your starting point is, um, you know, is somewhere because you've got to be adjacent to it. So, yeah, yes, that's why I think like uh, I think it's good to avoid scientific information. I think it's like I landed on that. I was thinking oh, this, for my, your for your for, single yeah, sentence. Yeah, 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 for my single sentence. I, I, I went, OK, I'm not going to talk about scientific information at all. I'm going to talk about process. Right. Mm. I'm going to talk about process and about learning. Mm. And so I, you know, some of the ones I, I was thinking about, like, OK, um, you know, the um, you know, the Ted Lasso, be curious. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty yeah. good thing to pass along to the next generation. Right. Yeah. Be curious and um, not judgmental. And not I, I like that one. I like uh, that part, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that's that's not a bad one to pass along. Nope. You know, I then I thought about like one of the. um, You know, my when my kids were really in the Sesame Street, one of the I think it was Elmo. Uh, heroes asking questions is a good way to find things out, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and so that became sort of the mantra in our house for a while, you know? Yeah, sure. So that, but I mean, it's kind of embedded in the same thing in that, you know, it's really about the process of learning and about the process of, and mm-hmm. of, of like discovery and, you know, staying open to new ideas. But I yeah. think that the one thing that, you know, those two things, um, those two statements, I think to me, aren't motivational enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, like be curious, you know, I, I, so I was thinking a little bit more about this and I think I've landed on this. And so I haven't written this down, so I'm just going to form it in my brain. I okay. think our ability to learn is only limited by our certainty in our understanding. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like that's, that's yeah. Like it, the the more certain you are in that you're understanding, sure. it's just like you're okay. What do I have to learn? Because I, and that's like been the the downfall of like every generation, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like we've learned. We know. We know what that other, you know, other group, what they believe in or what they're doing or whatever. And it's just like right. that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, candidates for me would be, you know, I haven't thought through the phrasing of these, so I'll just toss them out. But, but certainly, something about um, learning is relational, or learning is about relationships and not about knowing or knowledge. Um, I mean, another one that I think uh, I don't know how to parse this one exactly or how to phrase it, but um, you know, something along the lines of if you've found a simple solution, it's likely wrong. Um, but that one doesn't feel like it stands on its own as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting idea. Like what, um, you know, obviously the other things that come to mind would be more like things that come from meditation or Zen about, um, about your relationship to your own thinking, right? That you are not, you are not the thoughts that you have, um, that, right. which, uh, I, you know, I'm sure they're hundred percent sure that there's better ways of phrasing that, that have been said in Buddhism or in meditation, but, sure. but this, uh, you know, you've heard, I've heard it as that you're, you're the sky, not the weather, right. That your ideas come, come to you, but you're not obliged to either, believe them or consider them uh they're just things that your your mind is constantly generating um so 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this exercise is a perfect example of that because I spent I've spent the last since I've heard the Radio Lab podcast about like the last week, you know, in yeah. my head, like going through all of this and thinking about this as I'm also reading the uh, you know the three body problem book, and I'm like going and and they're trying to figure things out, right? That's yeah. the one of the the one of the things is in that book that's you know fascinating is they're trying to figure things out, yeah, and. Uh, and, and, and in some ways it's because it's set that game. Um, they're trying to do it in a comp- kind of a competitive way. Right. Cause like they're all playing yeah. this, 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 this game. It, yeah. So I've been in my thoughts a lot about this, this question and this, you know, you know. yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I think, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, the thing that is, uh, that runs counter to, I think, the way that we think about teaching and learning is the notion that any one of these statements is enough, right? Yeah. That that you can distill what you need to know or how you need to operate in the world into some single statement. Um, because it's still, you know, again, <laughs> the interpretation of that statement is is everything. Um, so the statement itself only works in, in a context in which those words and those ideas already have some social meaning, right? Like Adams, like if you take Feynman's, I mean, if you really take the premise, which is this sentence is going to be delivered onto some group of future humans. It's like, well, what's a, what's an atom, Right. Right. Or even what's a sentence or what's a like how how like none of that makes sense without all of the other things. Right. I mean, you can't you can't separate um, the grammar and the structure and the language from the ideas that are that are communicated in them. So how do you give somebody a statement like that um, if they're not already a part of your culture and understanding what those words mean and what the relationship between those words mean and all that other stuff? No, but but, but I think. So I, you know, I, I'm assuming this. Okay, mm. I don't think I think the Feynman exercise isn't so much about you know the actual apocalypse or a cataclysm or whatever and what knowledge gets passed along. It is really an evaluation of what we value. Mm. What what is it that you value? What is it mm. that like you know from a scientific standpoint or from a like a relational standpoint or a humanity standpoint? What yeah. do we what do we value? Like what's the thing that you privilege above everything else? And I think that to me, I, I it, it, so this is all the stuff that was going through my brain was like okay if I if I'm going to pass one thing on from a classroom if a, students were leaving my classroom what's the one thing I would want them to or yeah. you know as I'm done with you know I I, I uh, just had somebody that went to high school pass away. Mm. So somebody my my age, somebody I knew, and and so this this person's you know somebody that it surprised me, right? Sure. And um and that's going to happen more frequently, sadly, that yeah, sure. you know in the in the next two decades than the last two or three decades, right? Yeah. But you know, but that's in my head too. Is like okay, you know, if there's the one thing, what's you know now there's more than one thing. There's always sure. one thing. Um, uh, always more than one thing that you can do. So it's not like you could just put one thing in your pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the you know what is the thing that you value, and is yeah. it, um, is it the information, or right. is it the the 
the processes, the relationships. Yeah, I think that, the, right. I think that's that. right. I think that's the key is that I think you and I, I think Feynman's notion on some level perfectly represents the kind of thinking about learning that we're opposed to, right? Right. Which is that knowledge is is the important piece of learning. Yeah. That that knowing that fact is better than knowing the process that got you to that fact. And um, and really, we would anything that we would say, our little aphorism, our little one sentence thing would be about process and not about outcomes, because right. because outcomes are variable and they depend on all sorts of cultural pieces and and experience and all these other things. And not that process doesn't, but process has a more um, general application. Like being curious, you can do that in any language, in any context, in any um, you know practice. Uh, but but and, but I but I think the other part to me that that's built in the you know Feynman's answer is is his own you know certainty in his understanding that atoms are it right yeah, yeah. and and. You know, here we are looking. I, I think he, you know, offered this in the '60s, and here we are, like seventy years down the road, and we're like, yeah, atoms are still it. Who knows if, like, a hundred years down the road, or two hundred years down the road, or or millennia from now, whether we're still talking about atoms, right? Yeah, sure. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it seems. Well, I don't know. It's hard to know, but this goes back to this idea of like, well, once you've established um, a, a certain foundation it's hard to recreate like we talk about like Kuhn talks about paradigmatic shifts in science um, but even if you look at the big paradigmatic shifts in science like um, you know the the uh, quantum revolution um, it, it didn't take away atoms it because atoms were fundamental to thinking about what quantum mechanics was so you can't on some level, once you've built the foundation, it's very difficult to to tear the whole house down and build it on a whole new foundation. That that requires a massive shift, and I don't know if we'll ever see a shift of that magnitude because um, we we don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe we will. Maybe at some point we'll know. figure out. Yeah, that that. But it's not that I think um, we can't think of a new idea. It's that a new idea can't find purchase in a context in which we've built all this culture and experience and, and, you know, physical manifestations of it in the world to just like say, Oh no, we're going to forget all that and have this whole new way of thinking about everything. Yeah. Maybe. Oof. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, th I, I, this is, uh, you know, pretty, you know, philosophical and pretty heady stuff, theoretical and yeah. You know, we're covering science and, you know, yeah, what it, what it means to be human and, and all that. It's all good, you know? Yeah. yeah. These, are, these are the kinds of conversations that you, you and I have had kind of over beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, I mean, they're interesting questions. You know, these are, you know, the this is like the, hey, man, have you ever really looked at your hand? Like, yeah. really? <laughs> like, okay. Okay. No. <laughs> um. This but I do think a, a very different place than that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I don't know if it is, but but the idea that um, you know, we we often don't have these conversations about uh, fundamental 
premises about the way that we see the world, right? Like, because right. it's just not the sort of, you know, even over beer, that's not the sort of thing that you typically um, talk about unless you're, you know, maybe there's one of those conversation starter cards or whatever that yeah. people have where you pull that out and it says, you know, what's your one sentence that you would pass on to your grandchildren if you, if you were to die today. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, we don't talk about this sort of deep philosophical stuff very often. Yeah. Not on this, ep- not on this, this podcast. No. I think. And we, no. we didn't even say epistemology. We didn't say epistemology so- or, uh, I was at a picnic recently where ontology and epistemology <laughs> did come up. I know. Was it a picnic of philosophers or something? Were there? Uh, no? Uh, no, it was. It was somebody who had just recently completed a doctorate oh, and yeah. who was talking about um, that his uh, troubles and travails with uh, ontology and epistemology, mm. which was mm. happy to engage in that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my. Yeah, good times. All right. So I I I I enjoy this conversation. I I yeah. hope that um the listeners do too. And I hope that you know if they have a you know a, a sentence that they'd like to offer, you know send it along, email us or yeah. you know um we'll add it to the list. Yeah, we'll add it to the list and you know it's 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 always great to hear how other people approach these sorts of like, you know, these really existential, you know, philosophical questions, you know. Yeah. 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 So you have a you have a joy have a joy have a joy um so i i'm pretty sure this hasn't been recommended if it has you'll have to tell me but um but i just finished last night the diplomat on netflix have we talked about this show no i have i've heard other people talk about the show and i guess there's some discussion of the ending i don't know what the ending but everyone's like what do you think happened at the end it's like I so I guess th- there's there's something here, right? Yeah, there. Well, there is a massive cliffhanger that we will not um, discuss because that would be a spoiler. But but it does leave you with a huge um, question about where next the next season, which presumably is coming, will will uh, will begin because it was a massive um, like three or four things all simultaneously happening in this sort of domino effect at the end of the last episode. So yeah, it's a, it's a big change. Um, and this is Carrie Russell, right? Um, yeah, it's Carrie Russell, who probably is best known for the Americans, which was a or Felicity. A, she was Felicity. Or, okay, back in the day, I know. Um, so, uh, so this is a new show where it's about her and her husband, who are both ambassadors. And she's an ambassador to Afghanistan. I don't. He was an ambassador somewhere in the Middle East, but I I don't remember. Or no, maybe Serbia. I don't remember. Anyway, both in relatively war torn areas, and they are um, in the first episode. They're back in D.C. and they're about to go back to their the country. Oh well, he's retired, and she's about to go back to Afghanistan. And the president asked her instead to go to England because. They don't have an ambassador in in England at the time or the UK, um, and there's just been this terrorist attack on an English ship, and so they want to have somebody there they can rely on. And they so that's that's the premise of the show, and it just sort of unfolds with this, um, you know, and it's it's got a West Wingy vibe in the sense that it's a bunch of really smart characters who are talking very smartly about political issues in interesting ways. Um, it's you know we it's it's a really well written show and really interesting and Carrie Russell is 
fantastic. Her husband, um, I don't know that actor's name who, who plays Hal Weiler, uh, is great. But the whole supporting cast is is just really excellent. And um, so, yeah, I, I recommend it. It's definitely a thriller sort of. There's a lot of funniness to it, but it is um, fundamentally a drama. Um, but, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, you know, it has come up in a a couple conversations with folks recently. And it's like, I I really think we're in a golden age of television, you know, because there's so much good stuff out there right now. And, you know, we just worked through the bear, which was my, my, uh, you know, I say, I I say work through it was, it was a complete, you know, it was joy. Um, But there's just so many things to watch right now that, you know, if you're, yeah. If you're not watching TV, you're missing out on some stuff, you know. Yeah. But hey, maybe it won't go anywhere. It'll be out there for streaming purposes, you know. Yeah. So my joy this week is uh, Asteroid City by oh, Wes okay. Anderson. Yeah. And so this is, you know, if you if you know Wes Anderson, he's you know an independent uh, director, kind of does his little quirky movies. He's done uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, uh, Darjeeling Limited, you know, the Royal Tannenbaums, all these movies. Yeah, and, tons of movies, yeah. Um, this one's kind of on brand with this the, the show in that it's set in like the 60s, you know, in uh, kind of the, you know, western part of the United States, um, right after like, you know, you know, the war and they were doing all this stuff to support science education. So they have like the junior astronomers club and you know, all this. And it's, it is a really great story. Uh, lots of metaphor about, um, about science and about, mm. you know, um, it's really about the pandemic. I mean, my feeling is I, I haven't read anything on this, but my I viewed the whole movie from that perspective about science and the pandemic and our trust mm. in science. And, and I, I won't give too much of, uh, away f- from it because I've been accused of sometimes giving away too much information. <laughs> oh. uh, I, uh, mm-hmm. um, but um, I'll, I'll just leave it there. This is, it's a really good movie. Uh, some great actors in it. Um, Tom Hanks is in it. Scarlett Johansson is in it. Uh, Jason Schwartzman is in it. Of course. Uh, Stephen Wright is in it. It's so many good actors. Um, and it's just, it's just joy. It's one of those movies I'll probably watch, like, you know, probably in the theaters again, probably watch it soon. Um, yeah. before it gets out of the theaters, but it's one of those ones I'll watch hundreds of times, you know? Well, I just, I just heard an interesting story that, um, the Steve Carell character was originally going to be Bill Murray and, yeah. and Bill Murray actually filmed later. He filmed like some other scenes, he and Jason Schwartzman, and they turned it into a trailer or something that's available. But, oh. but Bill Murray got COVID, COVID. and yeah, right. wasn't able to play the part. And they got Steve Carell at the last minute, which is remarkable. And everything I've heard about him in, in the movie is that he's fantastic, which is not yeah. surprising either because he's a great actor. But that's, yeah. Yeah, I, that's definitely on my short list. I got to try and get to that. Well, you know, like a lot of these movies, you, you know, you have to go see them in an independent movie theater. Um, but mm-hmm. this one has actually gotten a little bit more, you know, you could go see it at like a, like a Regal or, you know, a Cinemark yeah, Wes, or something. Wes Anderson's legit now that he gets yeah. his stuff out in, in the main theaters, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, cool. that's, I think that's uh, on brand with the show, that, uh, that, uh, that movie. So you definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So this was kind of philosophical, kind of theoretical, yeah. kind of you know existential. Yeah. All good, oh, all the but uh, yeah. no epistemology and ontology, even though not today. 
maybe today. maybe next week maybe maybe next week <laughs> next week <laughs> tune in right. to find out <laughs> yes that's oh it's a cliffhanger <laughs> yeah all right we'll catch you next time in between see you then bye now 